Porn Free Radio, Episode 63, Not Safe for Work, Part 1, Risky Business. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. Hello and welcome to this episode of Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast for guys who want to live 100% porn free. In this episode, we'll be talking about the issue of using porn at work. And once again, I'm joined by Ben Frazier from the Brick House web series. Ben, welcome back to Porn Free Radio. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great. So anything new this week? Well, uh, with the with the web series, you mean? Yeah. Yes, uh, we do have a new episode this week, uh, and Jerry comes back. Uh, Jerry the Wolf, who's the... what? what how did you describe him? Um, he's the kind of voice of acting out, um, the externalized voice of acting out, or the, the id, some people have described him. Yeah, he's like that uh, that porn alter ego that tells us to, you know, that, you know, we, we could just sneak a peek or we deserve it. We've had a tough day at work. Yeah. That kind of but thing. It's like, it's not going to do it. It's, it's not but, bad. It's not going to hurt you. It's go ahead and do it. What's the big deal? Right. Yeah, that and voice. It, and if you haven't seen the show, it's actually a puppet, like a wolf puppet, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's yeah. fun. He's really fun. Um, it's, he's the most fun to write. And people like him the best. Somebody suggests, like, you should do your whole whole series just about Jerry. <laughs> so I'm actually considering that for later. It's like, maybe this should be really just about Jerry and who he interacts with, because people it, like him a lot. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, remember the Conan bit with uh, the Triumph, the insult comic dog? Vaguely, he, yeah. It was like this dog that smoked a cigar and kind of yeah. did, like, um, uh, roast humor. You know, yes. he was always saying you know crass things and the puppet can get away with stuff that the human can't really yeah yeah so he seems to uh and it's like triumph became more and more the thing like it was like it's like triumph just started showing up on his own on things and and conan wasn't around anymore (laughs) so maybe there's something to that yeah well thanks for coming back um again yeah we're going to talk about porn at work and I'm a little nervous about naming this series not safe for work because I'm worried that it's going to get filtered. People or... won't watch it. Yeah. Or listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm going to take a risk that people will, will, will guess that maybe we're being clever with the title. Yeah. And, and hopefully, hopefully won't avoid this, this uh, episode series, but we're going to do three and you're going to sit in for all of them, which is great. Um, Looking forward to it. But before Ben and I get into this episode, I want to talk to you about one-on-one coaching. In this series, we're talking a lot about the risk and great cost of using porn at work. And if you've struggled at work with porn, you're in danger. Your job, the quality of work, and your reputation are all at stake. Now, several of my coaching clients have cited this issue of not being able to control porn addiction at work as one of the main reasons they chose coaching. Now, why coaching? Well, it's confidential, it's convenient, and it's the fastest way to get a solid plan in place. And when you think of the alternative, getting caught, 
it's a wise investment. Now, if you've tried on your own to quit and not been able to, chances are you're missing one of two things, accountability to follow through or feedback from someone who's been there. Good feedback really helps refine and strengthen your plan. So to take the next step, go to pornfreeradio.com slash coaching. That's pornfreeradio.com slash coaching. Fill out my short application. We'll schedule a short call so you can ask questions and find out how we can work together. Don't wait. If this is all an issue for you, go to pornfreeradio.com slash coaching and let's get started. All right. So let's get right into this episode, Ben. Yeah. I wanted to uh, start by just... Uh, asking some questions specifically around using porn at work just as a kind of a starting point to just assess risk. I'm just going to go through these questions. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, this is just something you can make a mental check by yes or no, just kind of get a starting point for this conversation. So have you ever used a work computer or device to access porn? That's number one. Number two Have you looked at porn at work in the last three months? Have you ever used your smartphone to access porn at work? Have you ever masturbated at work? Do you ever edge or fantasize at work? Meaning, do you ever, you know, maybe spend time looking at things that are sexually explicit? It's maybe not full porn, but you're kind of spending extra time fantasizing and looking at things that are, not safe for work. Does your job require you to travel for work? Again, this is just risk. So Mm -hmm. does your job require you to travel? Do you manage or lead others? Does your company have an internet use policy? Have you ever been confronted about viewing porn at work? If no, would your reputation be severely damaged by your porn use being exposed. And the last one, have you tried to quit porn behaviors at work and had a hard time stopping? So if you answered yes to any of those questions, you're at risk. And here's the thing, you're not alone. Mm. Ben, I was doing some research and there was actually a study done by the Barna Group uh, in in the US in 2014. It was actually funded by provenmen.org, which is a pornography recovery site. And they actually interviewed a thousand people or more than a thousand people um, to, to ask specifically about using porn at work. And not surprisingly, 63% of adult men have looked at porn at least once uh, in, the, in the past three months. 38% have done it more than once. At work? Yeah, at work. Yeah. And, um, did they ask about women too? Or? They did. They did. I did not uh, copy the women's oh, statistics okay. here, but there was a smaller minority of women, but yeah. the, the women self-reported that they had looked at porn too, a smaller yeah. percentage. Right. Now, here's a couple things that I think are interesting for our audience, this porn-free radio audience, is um, three-fourths of the men who were 31 to 50 admitted to looking at porn. So a little older demographic, more likely to look at porn, 75%, three out of four. Wow. Wow. Um, 
One in five men in this group admitted to looking porn more than 10 times in the last 90 days. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if you're listening to Porn Free Radio, chances are you could be in that 20% category of people who have really struggled. Uh-huh. Um, now, a lot of times we talk, a lot of the listeners are consider themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. Christians virtually mirror the national average in this survey that I think the same numbers uh, net out. They just feel bad about it, feel more bad feel, about it. They feel more bad about it, exactly. And then three-fourths of married men, actually higher, 77% admitted to looking at pornography at least once. So if you're married, there's even a, a higher chance that you're looking at porn at work. That's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe because it's harder to look at porn at home, maybe. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like oh, work is a little safer spot. <laughs> right. Half of the single men admitted, 56%. So there's a big difference if you're married. Actually, I should have put that in the questions. Are you married? Because it seems to be a correlation. If you're married, um, you potentially are looking at more. Hmm. And it goes on. I mean, it basically... Um, uh, Men with higher income are more likely to look at porn at work. And men who have college degrees uh, more likely to look at porn. So huh. um, kind of kind of interesting. So I'm thinking a lot of podcast audiences uh, are college educated, are a little older, um, more in that middle-aged category. And, you know, tech savvy, smartphones, so income probably a little higher, professional. I know on this show, you know, we've had doctors, lawyers, all sorts of different professional people contact me through email. Mm -hmm. So chances are, you know, this is an issue just based on this. I mean, this is a statistically relevant study uh, based on the amount of people that they interviewed. And I mean, I've definitely seen this, as I said, with my clients and myself, you know, I uh, was remembering a story, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you probably remember this, but, you know, mid nineties internet uh, access was kind of difficult. Mm. Um, Most companies didn't have email yet. It was very new. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first job out of college, I worked at a big pharmaceutical company in, in a technological role. And I actually had to go to my boss and apply to get FTP, tel- oh, wow. telnet and internet access. Cause the web was like one year old. Uh-huh. And I don't even think he really knew why I needed access to this or there was not, it was like a very loose correlation or a loose reason for me to even have it. Um, but I went in and asked him for it, and he said, "Sure, like, wh- who cares?" Yeah. Um, but I immediately knew that there was a potential that I could find something. Like uh-huh. even as early back then, I yeah. knew that this was a way I could go on to the internet and start to try to look for th- pornography. Yeah, and did you? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did almost immediately. I found. Um, Back then it was Usenet. You could go on these messaging boards and I've talked about this on the show and I don't want to give everyone a history lesson, but basically in order to get one picture, like a JPEG that would be on anyone's website now, Mm -hmm. you had to go through about 10 
binary messages, mm. cut and paste thousands of of code. Yeah. Put it all into a text file, compile, manually compile this huge document and then encode it uh, into the JPEG format. So to look at one picture, it would take about four minutes. Wow. And you had no idea what, what the would... picture was going to be? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, I mean, the, the, the post might be hot woman on a bed. And you would... That could be anything. And you would... Yeah. Yeah, you'd work at it and then, boom, the picture would come up. It's ama- it just amazes me how much effort, you know an addict is willing to go to, to get the, to get the fix. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, so, I mean, I, I can tell you stories similar to that, so I'm not, I'm not judging you. I was just, it's just reminds me. It's well, like what, and, we, what we're willing to do. Well, and the funny thing is, is, and, and anyone who listens to this show knows exactly what this is. I don't even have to explain it, but I'm going to say it just so you, so you know that you're not alone. Even back then, the thrill and the chase of doing that, I remember just being like dopamine on full full throttle, mm-hmm. adrenaline on full throttle yeah. as I did the most laborious computer tasks <laughs> possible, yeah. selecting thousands of lines of code and cutting and pasting into a file. Yeah. And UU encoding. Um, if anyone knows Unix, they would, it's, it's, I, you know, I had to do this like command line thing to turn this into a picture. So it was just, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, and I was thinking about, you know, masturbation at work and I didn't do it many times, but I remember, I remember one of those pictures that it was good enough in my wheelhouse. And I it was late. I was in this, you know, kind of work area that was semi private uh-huh. and, you know oh wow so you were actually in the work area you weren't like in the bathroom or no no i mean this is the old days we didn't even have laptops you know this was all these were big oh right big computers you couldn't take the picture yeah right yeah and you had to be at your desk yeah yeah so so i mean that's and you know and and i struggled off and on and i at some point i kind of and a lot of guys have had this thing where they're able to separate work from home. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, I actually was able to pull it together at work. And I was mm-hmm. fearful of being caught. Yeah. Sure. And so I kind of had this, uh, even at the height of my addiction, I would never use a work computer to access pornography. And I was really careful. But I noticed, you know, in the last few years, and we'll talk a little bit about this in terms of risks, with laptops, with smartphones, things like that, that it's just getting blurrier and blurrier. What's Mm -hmm. work and what's home. Mm -hmm. You know, your laptop feels very personal to you, even if it's your computer, you know, your work computer, Mm -hmm. your smartphone has all your apps, everything just the way you like it, even if work pays for it. Yeah. Right. And there's that feeling of anonymity, you know, that Mm -hmm. sometimes we have, which we don't have at work, but we still feel like we do because because you know i think the attic part of us is is a little um not naive but a little blinded by the yeah well then there's another thing you were talking about about the thrill of the chase or whatever it's like maybe that's 
maybe that's part of it too is there's a certain uh excitement about kind of like breaking the rules or like being the threat of being caught kind of somehow increases the increases the thrill or uh, the, the yeah the fear of being caught increases the excitement around it somehow maybe right and i think you already nailed one too with at least with the married guys is Maybe there's more opportunity at work. Um, I didn't even put that as one of my points, but I think that maybe just the environment of work um, creates just a little bit of unaccountability in certain areas, especially mm-hmm. with devices. Right. So anyway, just just to kind of one thing I wanted to set in just a, our conversation is we talk a lot on Porn Free Radio about porn being a poor attempt at self-care. Yeah. And taking care of ourselves. And so it's no accident that work potentially is a huge emotional trigger. Absolutely. For care. I mean, it's it can be stressful. There can be anxiety, mm-hmm. boredom, procrastination, uh, just working on projects, that type of thing, and dealing with relationships. Mm-hmm. I think we struggle, especially in this community, with with relationships. And so work is full of relationships. You have bosses, you have management, you have employees, you have uh, people who are your peers, you have people who you have to um, manage through influence. You know, the old project teams where they don't work for you, but you have to get them to do things. There's negotiations, there's vendors, there's you know, all sorts of different layers of relationships. And that's so lo- lots of opportunities to feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Or to feel lack of confidence or other types of triggers. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought I'd go through three rationales about to, to just start about the risk at work. And, and so let's, let's start with just basic risks. You're at risk at work with porn and the number one risk is potentially termination. Yes, losing your job, losing losing your income, losing your livelihood. Yeah, and that's, I, pr- that's pretty huge. Yeah, and I think of if you look at the news today, if you look at how porn is affecting guys in a really, um, the biggest consequence is jail time. So that would be someone who ends up in porn that's illegal. Mm-hmm. But I would say a close number two would be the loss of income. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that it affects relationships and divorce statistics tie into uh, a lot of times uh, site porn use. But I think for a guy losing your job or getting fired would be would be pretty big. And, And the risk, the risk is there. Yes. And as I mentioned in the questions, you know, like if your company probably has an internet use policy, mm-hmm. now it's not probably enforced, you know, like they probably turn a blind eye to some behavior. But in the case where they're liable, in the case where they might be concerned about the types of porn you're looking at, they will take action to protect the company. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if at any point your employment is sort of shaky, like a layoff or they're not happy with some of your performance, it's an easy thing that they can just get stats on, 
put in mm-hmm. front of you and say, this is why we're letting you go. So if they're trying to choose between two people who have been there the same amount of time, make the same amount of money, the guy, the guy who's using porn at work would probably be cut before, before the other guy. Right. Or if yeah. they got a few names on the chopping block, maybe they're, they're unhappy with, with something you're doing. Or, and they don't ha- they can't really get rid of you because they don't like you or because they don't like the way that you negotiate that mm-hmm. type of thing yeah this is something that they could use to their defense in 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 an elimination right. and you know most people when let go if, if they've had a good relationship with the company will get severance and things like that this could be used in a in a case of termination for cause so they could deny unemployment. They could deny severance based on this thing. The same way as, you know, at my old company, if people uh, were caught stealing, wow, it was an immediate termination. They would go to the authorities. They would deny all, you know, all sorts of, you know, benefits yeah. and things like that. And this particular thing, depending on how strong the policy is, could be in the same category. Yeah. Um, so you just need to keep that in mind. Uh, another thing is companies, even if they are sort of permissive a little bit in terms of use, like everyone's going to do it, who cares? They don't like spending money on IT. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. I see where you're going. And computer viruses and other things, just even hardware slowing down because your cache file or your computer's full of things you've downloaded. Uh it starts to have more problems. And now I actually worked in an IT group for a part of my career. And we were we were well aware of people downloading porn, using computers for porn, and it would cause problems with their laptops. They would have more problems with their laptops than people mm-hmm. who didn't use. Right. They were having weird issues with memory. They were having weird issues with viruses. Yeah. Um, it just was common and you would go to help them and lo and behold, you'd see big folders full of stuff. And, and not only that, we think we kind of have this, this, we operate under this sort of idea that we're kind of on our own. We're on an Island. This is, it doesn't affect anybody else. But mm-hmm. the other thing that it managers look at is bandwidth usage mm-hmm. and, Bandwidth is expensive and network bandwidth is really important. And if they're trying to ensure that emails get delivered, Mm -hmm. uh, that critical business systems that run on the internet, internal internet are not interfered with, they will see bandwidth issues. Uh, We had an issue a few years ago at the company I worked at where uh, Dropbox syncing was causing the network to, to, to come to almost a screeching halt. Wow. Um, because Dropbox sometimes has no limits to, and if you have the amount of bandwidth, it will just ramp up to take the bandwidth. Yeah. And so someone was in it, actually was using Dropbox in a, in a business appropriate yeah. sense, was syncing um, a huge multi gigabyte video file mm-hmm. uh, with Dropbox, and it right. just started to slow the entire company down. Wow. Um, so... So you're saying that that you could be you could come to the attention of your bosses just because you're using a lot of bandwidth. They don't even look at your computer or your phone or whatever, but they see that you're using a lot of bandwidth, and that's a problem for them 
uh, economically or the, yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. yeah. Companies want to manage risk with IT. They want to manage costs. And so if you're using more bandwidth, if you're if your computer's having more problems, if they have to spend help desk hours resolving issues with you, it's a red flag. Yeah. And so that's just a real basic thing. And that actually could be more of a problem for you than uh, than breaking the rules. It's huh. you're costing yeah. the company money and right. they can point to um, this this type of pornography use. And they, you know, they could point to other things too. If you were streaming ESPN or something like that, that would mm -hmm. be a problem, but it raises a red flag. Right. All right. So a third risk is reputation. Right. And we don't always think about this. Maybe if you're a computer guy, maybe if you work in IT like I used to or web, maybe there wouldn't be that big of a hit. It's like, yeah, I looked at porn with my computer. You know, it's pretty it happens. Well, but even if you're in IT or whatever, if you have to, if you get, lose your job and you have to kind of look for a new job right. and you don't get a recommendation or you're, you know, you're going to have to admit to your future employer that you got fired for looking at porn. Um, or as you, if you, if you're married and your, your wife says, why did you get fired? You know, it's like, so I don't know. There, there is a, there, I think there's a public shaming aspect to that. Yeah. That's kind of unavoidable regardless of what, what you're doing but right yeah. well and i think certain careers it's even more thing. right i mean i was thinking about a teacher i was thinking yep. about an elected official uh, yeah and i'm not just i'm not talking about you know the congressman i'm talking about in communities where you're a school board president or you're um a, a, a maybe a small time official just mm -hmm. having this pop up um, could really damage your reputation if you're a service provider, like a lawyer or um, a CPA. Yeah, it just creates a you know if you're a pastor, th yeah. there's a big one. That would be <laughs> a youth pastor. Yeah, you know if a youth pastor is looking at porn on their phone and and or something like that, it just it could be a big issue. A lot of times, again, they're they're looking at risk and they're looking at how it affects and um, the company, the church, a lot of times will choose to protect the organization over the individual. Um, so, so your reputation can be affected, but you can also be at risk depending on what type of job you have. Uh, and then the last one we talked about the risk of termination because of a policy, IT problems, reputation. The last one is sexual harassment. Mm. Companies take sexual harassment really, really seriously because it's a way that they can get sued. It's a way that they can get into litigation. And so if you're actively looking at porn at work or doing porn behaviors at work, like masturbating, things like that, and if anyone in your department, anyone that you work with picks up on this, catches you, sees something on your computer, it starts to create a hostile work environment. Um, it could be potentially damaging to your team or damaging to your the people around you. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, we talked about the reputation. If you get a reputation for sneaking off and looking at porn, mm -hmm. um, that could be a problem. Secondly, when you start to engage in porn behaviors, uh, one of the 
uh, effects is that you sexualize people. Yeah. And if you're sexualizing people on a regular basis, that can lead to comments that can lead to things where you cross boundaries, especially if you're kind of arousing yourself at work and edging and thinking about sex a lot. Um, yeah, you could cross some lines that you don't want to cross. That's, that's a good point. The way it affects, the way it affects your, your brain and your thinking and then that can leak over into your, your work site. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely, you know, it could, it could just be jokes. It could be things like that. When you travel, Uh, For work, you know, boundaries can be crossed. I mean, you're spending seven or eight hours, you know, uh, on a plane with someone. You're uh, potentially in situations, social situations, drinking, going out for dinners, those types of things. There's just lots of areas where you can start to cross lines. Um, And that's just from a legal, I'm talking about just a legal HR perspective. If you're married, there's other boundaries that can be crossed that sure. that maybe are not fireable offenses, but would have damaging effects to your marriage. But I'm Absolutely. talking specifically just about the, the way the company looks at you. Right. Um, so keep that in mind. You're at risk for potentially engaging in sexual harassing behaviors if you're actively looking at porn at work. Yeah. So, so those are some basic risks, and those are all just based based on just corporate life or, or even, you know, even small jobs like a small business owner would have some of these things in play. You could get, Mm -hmm. you could have a small, uh, you can own a small company and you could be risk. You, you might not be at risk for termination, but you could have the it problems, the reputation management and sexual harassment. You could definitely get sued. Even if you're Mm. the the sole proprietor or not the sole proprietor, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, owner owner operator of a small company. All right. So you're at risk. And the second point I wanted to make was you're, when you're actively engaging with porn behaviors, um, you're working under the influence. Mm, Yeah. And, uh, you know, I read a a survey or not a survey. I read a study a a few, uh, about a month ago or so about, talked about arousal and decision-making and it took a bunch of college students and <laughs> got them aroused and then asked them a battery of questions about their decision-making. Now, college students aren't, aren't the I, smartest at making good decisions. They got a lot of hormo- hormones going on. But when they're aroused, they make really bad decisions. And um, that's not a big surprise. And, uh, yeah. and it, 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 it just, drew a connection between when in an aroused state and if you're edging, if you're kind of playing with the thrill of looking at porn at work, you're potentially in an aroused state and it can just cloud your judgment. I mean, definitely. And you know, porn could have other effects. Even looking at porn outside of work could affect your performance. I mean, imagine, imagine seeing a surgeon uh, for an early morning surgery and he was binging on porn the night before for a couple hours. Um, yeah. Or imagine the car mechanic who's rushing through your alternator repair because he's bored and wants to act out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly know that, yeah, when I was binging, I was not at my best the next morning. That's for sure. So whether it's whether it's you're fatigued and tired because you've been acting out outside of work or whether you're potentially at work arousing yourself and getting 
and just getting clouded in your thinking, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous. And we'll talk. Yeah. You're not going to be a very good employee at that moment. That's for sure. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. I want to talk about specifically how uh, porn in the workplace affects your leadership and Mm. for guys who are managers or guys who are wanting to get promoted. I want to talk specifically how it zaps your leadership. We'll get into that, but, but just the basic idea that, that there's an effect that you're not an island back to all those relationships that you're managing. If you're indulging and acting out, it affects the people around you and it affects your work. Um, and the, the last rationale that I wanted to bring up was, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to say you're stealing time. You know, that's a real simple one. Like you're stealing Mm -hmm. company time by doing this. And, you know, a lot of people at work will spend time doing things that aren't productive. So there's nothing, there's nothing morally more wrong with this than being on ESPN, as I said, but it does have an effect. And if, if it's out of control to the point where you can't control it, it becomes an issue. Um, and I, as I said, back in my IT days, uh, we used to have consultants working for us on site. And we had, um, back in the old days, we had a company called Anderson Consulting, which later became Accenture. And hopefully this won't... Get back to them. <laughs> hopefully this won't get back to them. But, but um, we had some consultants who spent a lot of time when they were supposed to, when they were billing hours on the internet. Now they weren't looking at porn. They were looking at stocks and other types of things, sports things. But, but we were able to just look at a paper trail of their searches and could basically chart them over the day of work, how many times they did searches, how many times they were on websites. And we could, we could make a case that, you know, out of their day, six of their hours weren't spent doing work because there were just searches all every minute, for yeah. an entire hour. And yeah. so we did a thing where we would actually go through their logs and we would ask for a credit from Anderson. Wow. Well, it only did took they... it only took a month or two of these of Anderson having to give back money. Right. That all of this behavior stopped. Right. Um so so there was literally a case for stealing time, you know, like where we were we actually and if you have consultants who are sitting around and you're not sure what they're doing, you know, don't, don't to say you heard it from me, but yeah, look at their internet logs. Right. Yeah. Uh, because they're usually at a billing at an hourly rate. That's a lot higher. So that's a side point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are stealing time, but I think the bigger effects to your career is it robs your creativity and your passion. Mm. Yeah. And so you're not only, it's not like you're just futzing around and procrastinating. You're, you're potentially engaging in a behavior that really zaps confidence, zaps creativity, kind of makes your mind just kind of not clear and foggy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a creative profession, if you're in a profession where you do, you know, many of the guys, if we were talking about this survey, we're making more than $75,000 a year, uh, had college educated, more than likely you're getting paid for your knowledge. You're a knowledge worker. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some plumbers and tradesmen who listen to the show and you're getting, but even you, you're getting paid because you know how to fix a pipe. You know, there's, there's, yeah. some, there's something that you bring 
to your trade. You need your you need a high functioning brain. Yeah. Not one that's cloudy. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of us are specialists. A lot of us are knowledge workers. So if we're foggy in our brain, it's going to affect the quality of our work. Absolutely. So next week, I'm going to talk about being porn free at work. We're going to talk specifically about leadership. I know we're kind of getting towards the end of time, but I wanted to give you an update, Ben. We heard from Frank from episode 62. Oh, okay, great. He got back to us. And we spent uh, we spent the entire episode of episode sixty two. Uh, it's called a bone to pick. We talked about Frank's, um, you know, gentle criticism of me that I was not being. Um, uh, res- it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I think was his point. Yeah, that 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 giving stuff up is a big deal, and then I need to be gentle about how I how I encourage people to give certain types of activities up. And so here's what Frank responded. He wrote, I really appreciate that you acknowledged the difficulty of giving this stuff up and validated my point about mourning those losses. So I would have loved it if the email ended there. But (laughs) uh, Frank took some time to continue to uh, underline his point that he thought that uh, people like myself, um, influencers, therapists, sponsors, coaches, mentors needed to be careful when making suggestions about setting up restrictions and limiting access to technology. And he he said specifically, it's important to maximize safety for the individual while doing so in the least restrictive manner possible. possible. Hmm. So he's really still trying to belabor this idea that, that, you know, you need to be as far to the least restriction as possible. You need as much freedom as possible. Um, which I would probably take some issue with, especially in the first years of recovery. Mm. I remember Frank did say he had trouble getting to eight months. And so I, I think that w- what would maybe help get past the eighth month mark might be more restriction, not less restriction. Yeah. But Well, also I'm kind of wondering, it's like, why is Frank fighting so hard to hold on to his devices and his access? Why is he fighting so hard for that? It's like... Um, we, we get that it's hard to give up, but porn's hard to give up. Uh, that's sort of, you know, and if your device is your access point, then it's a fairly easy thing to, to re- restrict access to your device. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, Frank ties in our current conversation as one of his reasons. He says that the reasons are practical and professional, uh, and he mentions that many corporate jobs require individuals to have a smartphone, tablet, smart tech device, et cetera. Mm. So he kind of makes the case that, you know, a lot of our careers are, you know, dependent on these devices. Right. And, and we'll get into that. I think in, uh, in a couple of episodes, we'll get into specifically those things. I, I would probably push back gently a little on that. Um, I remember even in the devices, that I was assigned, I had a lot of freedom to choose what device I wanted mm-hmm. and to even say no to, to getting certain types of things. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to push back on that. Not every, I, I think a lot of companies would be open uh, to not only if you had a good reason for not getting a device, I think they'd be open to it. And I think they'd be open to other types of things that we'll talk about in a couple of episodes about strategies for for dealing with it because all the things we've been talking about in terms of risk companies are aware of. So 
if you presented an, uh, you know, something, a filter or something that you wanted to add to a device, uh, I think a lot of companies would support that. So it's not yeah. an all or nothing thing. Right. You know, either you have an open smartphone or not. Um, there's maybe some middle ground. Definitely. So he, he, again, he wants to strive for reintegration. That's his big thing. And, uh, doesn't want to live like a technological hermit. So I, I'll concede that that's, that's something that he wants to work towards. And, 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 you know, I mentioned last week that I have reintegrated some, some things, you know, I do have a smartphone and, uh, I don't have the padlock on my computer anymore. Mm -hmm. So there is potential. I don't want to put that out there as like the goal, but it can change. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to finish with one last email that we got. Someone else jumped into the discussion. A listener named Chris uh, said what he's found helpful is to be aware of the parts of the day that I'm triggered most yep. by mm -hmm. and keep the phone, computer, et cetera, away during those times. That's brilliant. Yeah. So he said with just a little bit of forward thinking, it's not difficult to anticipate when these vulnerable times may come and keep the technolo technology away. So yep. he, and he talks specifically about working with his wife on that. I, th I think his wife, I'm not sure. Yeah. His wife knows the deal. And so there's these times that he's vulnerable. And those are the times that he does not go on the internet, does not use a smartphone. Did he say what times uh, those are? He didn't say in his email. I, I did talk to him on the phone. I actually, we had a, a phone conversation. He really, oh, okay. he really wanted to chat. This is a, a couple months ago, uh -huh. um, but he did, you know, he has had a really good year. I think he's had, you know, pretty much a, almost a clean seven months. Nice. Um, I think there was a slip in there, but like a pretty clean run. Um, so I'm not sure what the exact time. Oh, oh, wait, he does say some guys may be tempted when they come home in the evenings after work or mm -hmm. just before bed or, yeah. or right when they get up in the morning. So that's basically right. every time. <laughs> that's basically all times but when he's not at work but no, no yeah. i mean i mean i've heard guys rolling over in bed and the phone is right there and that's that's a, a really challenging time or some i've heard of guys first thing in the morning families yeah. asleep yep um that seems to be a time that could be a trigger so yeah i i i definitely think that as you build a plan, and we'll talk about building a plan specifically at work and in the next couple of episodes, but as yeah. you think about a holistic plan, looking at times during the day that are triggers and doing, creating uh, active commitments to to deal with those and mitigate yeah. the risk in those times, I think is a great strategy. And it's not about getting rid of smartphones. Yeah. I mean, I think in previous episodes, you've talked about like, you know, turning off your phone at 10 p.m. or turning off your computer at 10 p.m., and then, you know, between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. or something, for instance, you don't really need your your device, you know, or you I mean, you have to figure out what it works for you. But um, if you can, you know, turn off your device during those sort of high temptation hours, um, you're going to be better off. Yeah, you can even program your router to turn off. Wow. Um, so that you have no Internet access. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone has LTE now on their smartphone, but. It, a lot of people depend on Wi-Fi to get access for mm. especially broadband or high-speed internet. So yeah, you could have, um, you know, you could have your Wi-Fi go off right uh, from 10 to six. 
And that might be a good family policy. It might be good for your kids and other people in your family also. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, we can get into more of those in the future. Uh, but um, if you want to get um, access to the show notes today, go to pornfreeradio.com slash 63. That's pornfreeradio.com slash 63. I'll have notes. I'm going to link to this, to the, uh, to the Barna, uh, research, and I will link to anything else we talked about today, including the brick house, uh, season two with Ben Fraser, yeah, his, uh, his show. So we'll link to that in the show notes at pornfreeradio.com slash 63. If you'd like to comment on this episode or get the show notes, definitely go there. I'd love to hear from you, comment, question, or whatever. And as always, you can email me at matt at pornfreeradio.com. I'm the only one who checks that email box. Please include your first name. If there's anything you need me to keep private, please give me a heads up. All right, until next time, guys, take hope and take action. Thanks for listening to Porn Free Radio at pornfreeradio.com. To work with Matt one-on-one, go to pornfreeradio.com forward slash coaching and help us get the word out by subscribing to Porn Free Radio in iTunes and leaving a rating and review.